This episode is for all those nights that you feel like you are a champ. You made the actual family meal so good. Everybody loves it. It's so nutritious. It's wonderful. It's also for those nights where you think, oh my gosh, I cannot even think of what's for dinner. I have no idea what to fix. I'm going to pull out all the leftovers. You can have breakfast for dinner if you want. You can have a bowl of cereal. I don't really care. It's also for the nights you are grabbing takeout three nights in a row because your schedule is so busy. This episode is for you because we are talking nutrition with a pediatric dietitian who is going to meet you where you are make you feel normal in those crazy day-to-day things, but give you really tactical, awesome strategies for achieving what she calls less mealtime stress and more eating success by providing the strategies, systems, and solutions to nourish growing kids and satisfy family needs. Our dinner table is our greatest catalyst for bringing our family together and for building the strength of our family relationships. As a busy mom of four, I fully understand that preparing the food and worrying about the nutritious value can bring added stress. My hope is that you will take at least one new strategy from today's show with Ashley and bring it to your family to help decrease the stress around dinner time. I hope that will become a new practice that helps your family dinners to be even more intentional for creating moments of incredible connection and just that place that slows you all down. Ashley Smith is a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in pediatrics. She's the founder of Veggies and Virtue, where she provides tips and tools for feeding your family that are evidence-based and grace-laced. She combines her professional experience with her personal experience of being a wife and a mom to three young children and helps families create healthier eating habits to fit their lifestyle while not compromising nutrition. Ashley is also the host of her new podcast, called Veggies and Virtue, where every episode is full of valuable information that will help your family. Come along, friend. Let's grow. You know those days where you just feel so overwhelmed and tired from all the busy and you just want to multiply the time you do have to create more time for intentional words and family dinners and quality time together? And do you just need to know that you really can keep your family close and your faith strong in today's world? Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes, turn right past the paper still out from last week's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. I'm your host, Jennifer, wife to my high school sweetheart, mom of four, and creator of Together Moments, where we took our same worries and figured out the answer to slowing down keeping family time a priority and creating deep connection through solid communication, even among all the busy. The answer is to gather moments and we want to come alongside your family as you lay your foundation. If you're ready for time to slow down, intentional moments to overflow, and all of this to feel easy in your real life, then welcome, friend. With your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee, I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now, my mom. She loves to make us monkey bread for breakfast when we have big sleepovers. Jennifer Zumbiel! Before we jump into this episode, I just want to acknowledge that I know the audio on here is not great. You all 
This was so painful for me to edit. I was trying so hard to get that background noise out of there and it just it, it wouldn't work. So I apologize for that. However, it does not take away from the substance of what this episode really brings and Ashley's words and all the amazing things you're going to take away from this episode. So thank you for being here and enjoy this interview with Ashley Smith. Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Ashley, I'm so excited for you to be here today. This is really cool because we have become our mastermind classmates this winter. And I was so excited to find out that you do all things for family meals. You take care of our children's nutrition and you teach us moms how to make it easy in our real life. So thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, Ashley, I want you to first tell us about yourself and how you got started with a passion for helping moms with the, and I love how you use this whole phrase, you help moms with the mealtimes, the messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I live right outside of Houston, Texas with my husband of almost 10 years, and then we have three kids who as of recently are eight, six, and three. So, you know, I, I live and breathe everything I share, which is why it's really easy to come up with content most of the time, because it's what I'm doing anyways for my house and family. And um, as you mentioned, I am a pediatric dietitian and I've known, I wanted to go into pediatric nutrition since I was a teenager, you know, even just babysitting kids. I found it really fascinating how kids ate and um, you know, when I'd have a picky eater and, you know, just different methods and techniques to try and get them to try new foods, I found it really fascinating early on. So everything I did educationally just kind of steered me down that path. And then obviously becoming a mom to one, let alone two, let alone three, as you know, with having four kids, um, each child, you know, shows you something different about the dynamics of feeding, the feeding temperaments and personalities and things like that. And so I've just had the opportunity to practice what I've preached a lot in since having my firstborn, I stayed home, but then around the time she was two and my second daughter was being born, I just started to, you know, get a lot more questions from families about, you know, what I was doing with her and the, the challenges that they were running into, you know, with our friends who had new kids that they were starting to feed. And I just realized even with my education, how challenging it really was to feed your own child. And um, it just kind of gave me a heart to just start sharing little bits and pieces of our journey and our experience with each kid. And at first, it just really started out, you know, as kind of just sharing lunchbox pictures from mom's day out and, uh, you know, little different tips and tricks as they came. And then over the last few years, Veggies and Virtue has grown into more of a business and, you know, a little bit more of a side hustle, I would say, you know, it kind of started with just nap time and nighttime. And now I'm trying to squeeze in what hours I can here and there. Um, but really just want to come alongside families and serve them in the struggles that I firsthand know that they face, but also that uh, nutritionally, I understand as a dietitian for them. Well, Ashley, that's the combination that I love and that our listeners really appreciate is that this is your real life. This is something that you experience firsthand. And so you can bring all your professional knowledge and really understand the hearts of moms and what we face. And I, I want to ask you this question. Okay. So your, your website and your podcast, Veggies and Virtue, which is a beautiful name. Everyone needs to go subscribe to it. It's so wonderful. They are full of resources for helping families with 
less mealtime stress and more feeding success. So let's start with some encouragement for the mom listening who feels like she wants to feed her family healthy meals. And she wants to know that everyone in her family enjoys the food, but it doesn't always turn out that way in the reality of busy days, lack of food prep, and picky eaters. So let's acknowledge that first for our moms. Yeah. So I think, you know, that was a lot of really my heart to even put myself out there. You know, I I thought I was a stay-at-home mom, and even though I was a dietitian by trade, I think my heart behind really wanting to show up for families and connect with families is to encourage moms because as a recovering perfectionist myself, I think I assumed feeding would be easy and I assumed I would have perfect eaters. And that was obviously my pride leading the way that got very quickly knocked down with each child because I've had far from quote unquote perfect eaters with each kid. But I think for moms to just know that, you know, I have six years of education in this and it is still hard. Like it is still daily a job and a choice to show up for our families and to serve them in this capacity. And yes, even if pediatric nutrition has always been my passion, that doesn't make it easy. You know, it is, it is still work and it's not work that's going to go away. And so I think for moms to just understand and feel that permission and that validation that this is really hard is where I encourage a lot of moms to start. Cause I think that there's just a lot of weight that a lot of moms are carrying, um, you know, to do this perfect job in feeding their kids and there's an element of anxiety over, you know, preemptively, maybe what we aren't doing and what we want to do, but, you know, do we have a missed opportunity or, you know, where have we fallen short? And we kind of fixate on all those potential anxieties rather than really seeing each meal as the opportunity for what it is. So I think I would just want to encourage moms to, in a way, you know, I hate to say lower their expectations because I think, you know, that kind of has just like a negative tone to it. But I think for them to just be realistic with the season that they're in and to give themselves grace, to give their children grace. You know, I know personally, I put a lot of pressure on my kids and expecting them, wanting them to eat a certain way that is really setting me up for more frustration and not really serving and supporting them in the way. So I think if moms can, um, you know, just honor the season that they're at and look at what they're doing right and give themselves some just some praise for what's going well and whether it's something that they're doing right, it's some way that you know, their, their partner and them are valuing family meals or supporting one another in, you know, the dynamic of getting food out on the table or packing lunch boxes or getting kids out the door in the morning. Just focus on the things that are working for your family right now. And I think that just gives each of us a sense of gratitude that doesn't approach everything with food as we're already in debt. Like we're already behind. We already have missed the mark, but instead realizing, you know, there are things that we're doing well, because I meet with a lot of families that don't even see what they are doing well. But when I, when they tell me these things they are doing, I'm like, wow, you're already doing all of this, but they haven't really even acknowledged all the great steps that they are making and feeding their family well. And then I think to just begin to evaluate what are some of those areas that aren't working. So rather than like just comparing yourself and saving all the ideas on Pinterest or social media or wherever it might be, instead for families to realize like, where's your biggest pain point right now? And to use that as your starting place for what your next change is, because my master's is in behavior change. And so I think families, we want to transform everything overnight, but the reality is, is we can't be successful with that. We have a lot of things, all of us going on in our day-to-day life. And so I think for families to realize, you know, what is your biggest pain point and to begin to see 
I try and walk families through recognizing what is your biggest pain point and then what's the solution to that. And most often the solution is a combination of a system and a strategy. And so if families can understand like what systems could we use to make whatever this pain point is, whether it be meal planning, meal prep, picky eating, there's so many different dynamics with feeding and then figuring out what is our strategy and how we're going to approach that in feeding our family and things like that. And then start with that place. I think that can give families a little bit more manageable of a next step rather than this overwhelming sense of it's so unattainable to do everything because it is. And so instead just really narrowing it down to what's the next thing that you can do based off what's creating the most stress for you right now. Okay. So I think that is a really good answer and definitely it was a good way to alleviate that stress we moms can put on ourselves for not getting it all right with mealtime and, you know, kind of feeling bad about ourselves. Like, uh, I'm eating out all the time or I know I'm not fixing a balanced meal or all that. So you said implementing a good combination of a system and a strategy can help. Can you give us a quick example of maybe how that would work for like a picky eater? How would having a system and then a strategy to make it happen? For a quick example of that is I think if families could understand the system of my love it, like it, learning it framework and understanding it's a framework for helping uh, develop what foods you're offering your child. So even if they're picky, even if you know they're not going to eat all the things that are offered, your system is a framework that you're using to, uh, you know, drag and drop into the different meals that you're offering. The strategy might be something like introducing something that's novel. So this might be a toothpick. This might be, you know, fun tongs to help them serve themselves. This might be letting them eat spaghetti with their hands instead of a fork. This is just something that's novel to kids. This is especially effective with kids under the age of around like six to seven. So really between like two and six is kind of when that magical window for the novelty really kicks in. But using strategies like those can really help kids engage with the food. So even though you're not giving them all their preferred foods, your strategy for how you're helping them to accept it and engage with it can help it become that much more effective in getting them to ultimately eat it. That was a really good example, especially because I was thinking, yay, I did that when I had a picky eater. I remember we would take toothpicks and put it in her meat. Any, she wouldn't eat meat, but when we put toothpicks in it, she thought it was so fun and she'd take it and dip it and have fun with it. Yes. I love that. So it works. Yay. Okay. Now we, we did talk about, you mentioned that you do go through rough days and rough seasons when you're parenting and getting through all the food strategies and systems and trying to figure it all out. Share with us three tips we can begin today with our families to make it easier for us to just feel confident that we really can have amazing, healthy meals for our family, even on our craziest days. Yes. So I love this question. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things I could share that are working for me today, but what I think is important is for families to realize that each family is unique. So what works for one family, don't assume it's going to work for you. And if you try it and it doesn't work for you, don't feel that sense of defeat and failure that, you know, you're not able to attain this, you know, standard of getting meals on the table and everything like that. You know, you made the comment earlier about, yeah, it's another night going through the drive-through and things. What I really like to help families look through is what is your, what is your crazy day? What is your normal day? What is your day-to-day look like? And sometimes week after week, it changes. Of course, you know, there's 
variables there. But I would say the three things I would walk families through is to plan and how to pray and how to pair and how to prep. And so plan would be looking at your plan of the week, looking at your family calendar. This is not a meal plan. This is looking at what is actually happening during your week. So you know what your starting place is because we're setting ourselves up for failure. You know, the whole phrase of like failing to plan is planning to fail. And I think if we fail to look at what our plan for the week is, there's no way that we can effectively meal plan. So we need to be really realistic with not just what to plan for the meal that night, but like how much time, how much capacity, how much energy do we have time to preheat an oven for a sheet pan meal? Yes, your pan meal is a great idea, but if you don't have home, like if you're not at home in time to preheat an oven and let it sit and cook for 30 minutes, then that is not an effective meal plan for you for that night, even if the meal itself is fine. So I think for families to start with planning, be really specific about what your capacity is, what your energy is, honestly, what your kids' tolerance is of giving you time in the kitchen or not. I think we just, as moms, feeding can be a hard job, but we're overcomplicating it in that way. And then moving forward from that, stemming a little bit off the last question we talked about is pairing. I think when it comes especially to picky eating, we either feel like we have to make multiple menus or you know, only feed our child things that we know they will eat. But I would say when you're planning what food you're going to offer for the week, think about how you're pairing it. So if you're offering salmon and you know your child's still learning to like salmon, think about how can you pair it with something that you know is a preferred food for them. So again, using like my love it, like it, learning it framework, you want to pick a food that they love and chances are there's going to be a food that they're still learning to like. And then the foods that kind of fall in between would be those those like it foods that they may or may not eat and that's okay. There's going to be foods that they're learning to like and that's okay. You want to be exposing them to those foods. And that's where that novelty really comes in. And then you want to give them something that they love so you have the reassurance as the mom that they're going to eat. And then the third thing would just be prep. And I think, you know, there's a lot of glamorous things out there these days on all these really robust meal prep sessions on the weekends. And, you know, I think we all get really high hopes, but for most of us, our weekends are not spent meal prepping. And so for families, again, just be really honest with yourself, give yourself grace and honesty in the season that you're in. And if that means that you buy frozen vegetables because they're pre-prepped, they're inexpensive, they're ready to just toss in something, buy frozen vegetables, guilt-free. They're nutritious, excellent alternatives. But so often I think we think I need to buy this fresh one and then prep it myself and get it ahead. And it's just, again, it's setting us up for failure. So I would say, I think the best way to make it easier for families and also to help moms regain a lot of that confidence is to go through what is actually happening for their family and then to come up with, you know, those, those meals that fit for their lifestyle and their child's feeding habits. That was an excellent answer because it, it's a lot of what I talk about on here already, but you put it together in such an easy way to understand. So one thing that works for our family with our very crazy busy schedule is we have a weekly dry erase calendar. And on Sunday, I put up exactly where everyone's going to be. And I fill in the gaps of when we can eat dinner together. So it's the only way that we can do it. And then I'll see, okay, from that, I know how much time I have to prep or to prepare it and what kind of meal then it has to be. It's something that we all think about, but the way you laid it out just makes so much sense. And one thing that you offer free on your website, Ashley, that will help all our listeners here 
is I think your Costco, um, your meal ideas that you have, it's a free download on your website, is so good because it shows you all these wonderful, healthy meals that are guilt-free, which is what you said. It's just quick things you can throw in on those nights where it has to be quick. Yes. Yeah. That's actually one of my most popular blog posts and something I I'm planning and hoping to do a lot more podcast episodes on, you know, Costco easy shortcuts. I actually, in tribute to spring 2020, um, I have a, and one of my seasonal meal plans, the spring seasonal meal plan is all shortcut meals. So there's no cooking. It's all assembly style meals. So it's those when you're at Costco or you're at the store and you need to like throw a few items in your basket that will like convert themselves into dinner. That's exactly what they are. Just so we have some of those ready-made things that we can feel good about offering our families. Yes, that is so perfect because as the seasons go on, I mean, we all can probably look back on our early motherhood days and you made your own baby food or you used that baby recipe book with all these beautiful meals and trying all these things. And the longer we go through these seasons and our kids get busier and our families are more distracted, you can easily start feeling guilty that you stepped away from that or that doesn't happen as often or when did that end? But just to be able to flip it and say, nope, that's okay, you're still doing great, but here's some alternatives to make it. You really hit your goals for your family in a healthy way. So thank you for offering that. I can't wait to see all the new ones that you're gonna add to it. Yes, absolutely. As you know, the Easter season begins next week, March 2nd, on Ash Wednesday. And for many years, Christians have used the season of Lent to prepare for Jesus' resurrection. Of course, Together has a tool for you to help your family take that time for reflection and to prepare for the coming of our risen Lord at Easter. Bring our non-denominational Together for Easter to your family and have a way to reflect focus on new beginnings and talk about what is meaningful all of course in a fun way for you to grow stronger as a family you gather together with your family you read the excerpt for the day peel the corresponding sticker talk about the conversation starter and place it on the resurrection scene which is the path to the empty tomb there are 14 family discussion starters 14 personal journal questions and don't forget to grab your four little ones page all of this is available at two gathermoments.com. If you grab this past March 2nd, that is okay. You can still catch up with all the stickers and make it a super special time for your family this Lenten season. This bonus question with Ashley comes to us from Together for Easter. This is from our Good Friday sticker. And after you read a little excerpt about what Jesus did for us, and before you place your sticker on your family poster of the path to the empty tomb, we would talk about this sticker together. Discuss a time when someone sacrificed something for you. How did it make you feel? So I think for me, the thing that comes to mind is my mom. My parents uh, divorced when I was uh, going into junior high and my mom was a kindergarten teacher for several years and I just got to see her sacrifice for my brother and I. Um, year after year and just how much she really worked hard for us as a single mom and the way she still provided for us and you know cooked family meals every night and it shaped a lot of who I was growing up but I think now as a mom it also helped reinstill a lot of the values I have that even you know when life is hard and even when we have to give up 
um, a lot of things, just, you know, what moms do for their families and their kids. And so it really made me feel very appreciative, not only that she gave that to me, but also that she set that example for me. Oh, your mom sounds amazing. And isn't it cool when we become parents, we look back at what our parents did and realize so much more. I talk to my mom about that all the time. You know, the number of things that you overlook when you're a kid or you just don't know how hard it is to be a mom sometimes, you know, so I definitely appreciate it more now, I think, than I ever had the capacity to then. All right, Ashley, so one one thing that I want to go to in particular, because I have older children, is, you know, you have so many amazing resources for teaching our children healthy food habits from toddler years through early childhood. and. I know you have older children, so you definitely offer that advice for those older children. But I'd love for you to give a mom like me advice on how to bring my children back to helping them explore new foods and expand their taste. And I'll tell you why I ask is my two older children have always loved a variety of healthy foods. They love to try new things. And I would say <laughs> that I did a very good job of being intentional at helping them with this from their earliest days eating. But then as our family got busier and our subsequent children were spaced out, you know, it, it was easy not to focus as much on helping <laughs> younger kids. The problem with the subsequent children, right? But I find myself with the mindset of, okay, just eat what I make. We, we don't have time for all these different menus rather than really focusing on the tricks that I should be using with my children that can be forgotten as you have older children and you get busier. Not that I forget my children, but I, I think I need to just focus more on their eating habits. Yeah. So I think that's a great question. And a lot of the families that I've worked with, you know, it's feeding went well with the first child or two, and then, you know, they may have their picky eater they weren't expecting. Or in your case, you know, with four kids, any of us could relate to, yeah, I have three and I feel like everything's a struggle. So I can only imagine with four, you know, how easy it is to need to depend on, you know, more convenience or more quick casual, just quick fixes in the hustle of life. And so the biggest thing I like to emphasize to parents is it's one menu for the whole family. And not just that, it's one approach for everyone. So whether it is your quote unquote good eater or your picky eater, your, you know, quote unquote, like smaller frame child or your larger frame child, your more active child, your more sedentary child. You know, we, we put these labels on our kids very easily and that can be one of the quickest detriments to a family's feeding relationship. And so I think when a family is trying to kind of get back the main thing is to realize that this is a family approach. This is, we are all approaching this the same and we are all in our God-given bodies that are different, but we're all going to enjoy one meal together. So I think that that is really important, especially if you see, as most of the families I work with do, some kids are pickier than others. And that's really challenging. And, it's, and having each of my kids be picky, I mean, they're varying degrees and we've made thankfully a lot of progress, but you know, it's easy to kind of intentionally or you know, quietly kind of push more pressure on one kid than the kid that we know may initiate a little bit more. And it's, it's all of our tendency, right? So I think if we can just start honoring, you know, it's going to be one menu for the whole family. Again, taking into account that pairing, you want to try and consider, you know, is there something that everyone enjoys at the table? And if this means you're adding a bowl of satsumas because it's an easy fruit that's already ready, 
or, you know, the bananas that are going to go bad or glass of milk or some bread. That's okay. Starting place for families, because a lot of it is just getting in the habit of one meal for the whole family. And you can, you can branch out from there, but I would say, um, you know, that helps. The only real change there is if developmentally, you know, if you have infants or a child with different feeding skills or allergies, things like that, obviously there's some nuances to it, but otherwise I would say for parents to remember that the feeding relationship really boils down to the parent provides and the child decides. And so if you as the parent, and I feel like with you particularly, I know how intentional you are with your words and uh, with the way you approach things with your kids. And yet as a mom, I know it's very easy to be like, well, eat this or starve. You know, we almost feel like this is what you're offered. Take it or leave it. Not my problem. Like that's whether we say it or not, that's sometimes what we think. And I think with you, you know, and how you approach everything to make the most of those moments together around the table, I think that that can shift the tone so quickly when we're already kind of like either we're annoyed with our kids because we know they don't want what we're eating or they're kind of annoyed with us because we're being a little rough about what, you know, we're not being super nurturing with the food maybe being offered because we feel frustrated that they don't appreciate it. And you know, that kind of whole saga and cycle. And so I think, you know, to approach it as this is our family wide approach. This is not my reaction to this meal that you don't like when last night, everyone was happy, go lucky and fine about one menu because everyone liked it. But tonight when I'm offering something different, we have more words or negative interactions and things. I think in order to make that table the most positive time together and really be intentional, it becomes a communicating with your family. And this becomes easier for you when your kids are older and can communicate. Sometimes families struggle when, you know, their kids are kind of in those early developmental stages of being able to communicate to say, hey, we're going to do things differently. But I think it's a great first step for families to say, hey, dinners, and you know, dinner's the obvious one for families to kind of gather around, but you know, dinners haven't really fostered the environment that we want for this time together. And whether we get five minutes or a, you know, an extended long dinner together, we really want to enjoy this, this time together. And so in order to do this, these are some of our family's food rules. And I think just coming up with some of those basics on, you don't have to, like, everything is not going to be your favorite, but you may be rotating whose favorite is different nights. And we're going to be respectful and honor that if lasagna is not your favorite, but it's your brother's favorite, you can still enjoy it alongside him because you love your brother and it's his turn and you'll get your turn for your favorite. And so to you know, try and embrace that kind of dynamic and that language and to set that type of foundation as part of your family's feeding rules. So it's not something that you have to reiterate each night because it becomes just part of the foundation that everyone knows as an unspoken feeding rule that every meal is not going to be my favorite. I'm not expected to eat everything. You know, my mom graciously provides it for me. I get to decide if, whether, and how much I'm eating of it. And again, that goes back to every kid is fed the same thing. And so depending on their preferences, their body type, their activity level, all those different things, they get to decide how much they're putting in their body, how much fuel they need. Um, and that takes some of the pressure off feeding our kids differently. If maybe one's picky, one's not. And then the conversation shifts, you know, it, it shifts a lot from I'm at the table. My goal is to try and get my kids to eat or I'm so focused on what they're not eating. And I'm frustrated that I put all this work into it that I'm missing the opportunity. But instead families, especially with a different range of, you know, ages of kids and things in, like in your family, they can start to influence one another of these positive associations with, with food or, you know, with food play or the different way that they talk about food or the culture around food. There's just a lot of other conversation that can happen 
when we pivot our attention, you know, off of more the problem of one menu and more on the opportunity of enjoying one thing altogether. One thing you said, Ashley, that really stuck out was it takes the pressure off. And it made me think, you know, what a great piece of advice you just gave to embrace that as the foundation of your family around food, because it takes the pressure off us as the parents, but also the children, because then they don't stress out as much. They just know the rule. Kids love boundaries. <laughs> they love rules. They do. And they want that. They, they need that. And they thrive in that environment as much as they'd love to tell us they don't want rules. They need them, right? You know that. So I think that's a good reminder that it does take the pressure off. And it makes me think, I read something on Instagram a while ago. Maybe it was over the summer. And it hit me and I was like, okay, we're going to try this. And it changed with some of my picky eaters was it said, okay, when I set something on the table, you can either have a serving or a taste. There's an excellent feeding therapist out there. And she has a phrase that says, uh, serve it like a Lego man size. So I think, you know, any of us can, <laughs> you know, how small we would feed a Lego man. Like it's like a pea size equivalent. You know, we want, it's really a learning it bite. And it's not a bite that's necessarily going to get eaten, but it's an exploratory bite. And so it's a small, unintimidating amount of food being offered. And I think as families get in the habit of allowing more of like family style meals, you know, they can kind of start to empower their kids to choose, you know, are you taking a serving and, you know, what's a respectable serving? And, you know, you teach so many great things on manners and things like that. And so families can start to kind of reinforce that as part of the family foundation and, you know, food rules of this is how we serve and this is how we consider others in the portion that we take. But also similarly, so if, you know, you have a child who doesn't want something, you can say, that's okay. You don't have to eat it, but here, do you want to, you know, do you want to try this little amount or, you know, bringing in some of that novelty or, you know, talking about the, the smaller portion. So yes, I think that's a great tactic for families to use. Yeah. And, and just giving it a name, like you said, a Lego man bite or the taste versus the serving or whatever. When we started naming it at the table, it, it's not a battle. There's a boundary around it. It takes the pressure off. It, it's not, hey, you need to take two bites before we stop because that automatically makes them put up the defense, right? Which I'm sure you have a lot to say about that specific comment. But um, yeah, it, it, it throws it in their court and empowers them to be able to do it. Like you said, parent provides, child decides. I love that phrase that you have. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just try and remind parents that if you sense yourself entering into a power struggle, you're probably crossing the line. You're probably extending beyond where your role in the feeding relationship really goes and you're reaching into where their space is and that's going to create them to become a little more defensive, be a little more anxious, you know, a little more averse to whatever you're trying to get them to eat. And as a dietitian, myself and all others in my field, you know, we always remind parents that like nutritionally, those two bites that you're trying to get your kid to eat are not making or breaking them or uh, nutritionally. And quite honestly, they might be more of a detriment to their nutrition long-term, big picture in terms of, you know, cultivating the eating habits for them over the lifespan because they're creating more negative associations with those foods that they're being forced to eat. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, it's really not breaking their nutritional status if they don't eat those two bites of broccoli or, you know, whatever the vilified food is in this case. But you know, to be able to equip and empower our kids to learn to like those foods using those small Lego man bites and a lot of other tactics that I share often can go a lot further.
Well, I think this was a fantastic place to end this episode with you. I feel like I could have you back as a regular guest, Ashley. Maybe we should start doing that because you can provide so much good insight. And as parents, we're going through different seasons with our children, whether it's the teen the teen eater who eats us out of house and home and setting limits on that or the picky eater and, and everything in between. I feel like we can always adjust our mindset to what you bring to us. So thanks for that. And I, I w- would love for you to tell our listeners, what does a typical meeting with you look like for the mom who reaches out to you for help, whether through coaching or on Instagram or through your podcast and what transformation do you hope to bring her? Yes. Thank you. Well, I've, I've loved being here with you. So I appreciate the chance to get to be on the show. I would love to anytime you want to have me back and I'm excited to have you on my podcast as well. But um, I would love to work with any families that, you know, feel like I might be a good fit for them. I might be able to help come alongside them really with my goals as a pediatric dietitian, obviously your child's diet is of importance to me. So I do, you know, a full assessment to understand, obviously, depending on the age and stage of the child, there's a lot of different dynamics about how they feed and what they're eating, their routine during the day, their intake of a variety of different foods, and, um, you know, the family feeding dynamics, some of the tactics that are being used, I try and really assess that holistic situation, because a lot of times parents will come to me with their pain point or their one problem, but it's really an interplay of the whole feeding relationship that I want to assess and evaluate so that I can make sure I'm supporting them as best as possible and not leaving gaps nutritionally, of course, but also in the strategies being used. And then ultimately my goal for moms is to come alongside them so that they feel supported. So whatever feels hard, they feel like they're equipped with the skills and the strategies that they need to make it through the next meal. I mean, whether we like it, or not, you know, we don't get to avoid feeding our kids. So I know that moms need short-term strategies to execute immediately and to start feeling successful with right away. And then I also try and help them understand that this is not a quick fix, you know, especially if it's been years and years of more negative feeding relationship or really progressive picky eating and things like that. It takes time to change that, but there is no family and no child is ever too far gone. So I just want to help parents kind of understand what the scope of this challenge they may be facing is, you know, if it's a more short-term thing, then, you know, hopefully we can um, accomplish the parent's goal or goals as quickly as possible. Or if it's kind of like a bigger long-term problem that they just see how I can partner with them on the feeding journey to help get them to helping their kid to be a more adventurous eater for the child to be more confident and capable around food, but also for the parents to feel more confident and capable in establishing that positive feeding environment. That's awesome. I think it's safe to say that you help parents with every short-term immediate goal all the way to their long-term goals for their family and their nutrition. And just jumping on any of your podcasts, everyone's going to walk away with something they can implement that day for sure. I know I have done that with my family. I loved your episode on just changing everything a couple of degrees, a couple of degrees. And, you know, it, it inspired me to change the way I make the eggs for the kids and (laughs) add it on top of the English muffin instead of put the jam on top of English muffin or whatever. So just great ideas that you can walk away and implement immediately and feel like you are getting a win. So that's amazing. Okay. And we're going to end with the question I ask every guest. What's one thing helping your family stick together right now? 
So I think right now something that is kind of my sweet spot each day is driving my kids to school. You know, it's kind of that pause between the hustle of getting everyone ready and piling the kids in the car and the moment of having my cup of coffee and getting to watch the sunrise elementary starts really early here, but just getting to have that time with them to just help set them up for the day. And we have this prayer point every in our, in our route where we stop and pray every day together. And I just, I feel like I get to, you know, just pour into them in that extra little couple minutes. It might be because we used to have a different school situation that made driving them in the morning a beast and they were on the bus. And so I feel like it's now kind of this pocket of time I wasn't getting at the beginning of the year that I just feel like I'm savoring a lot now that I get it back. So I'm really, really thankful for that. Okay. I really love this answer. And I don't think any of my guests have ever used that is their answer. And I, I think that's so special too. I, I get to drive my high schooler to school by herself. And that's a really special time. Not that driving the other three isn't special, but her ride's a little longer and it's just one-on-one and it's, it's awesome. I love that. And I, thank you for giving us the idea of the prayer point. When you hit one certain point, you say a prayer. I love that. Ashley, tell us all the ways we can connect with you and feel really good about less mealtime stress and more feeding success. Okay. So my favorite places to meet with moms these days are on my new podcast, which is the veggies and virtue podcast. Also my website, veggiesandvirtue.com. And then families are welcome to reach out to me on email. I'm on Instagram at veggies and virtue. And then I also have a new Facebook group where I'd love for families to come join the community of busy moms looking for more simple meal and snack ideas. Yes. And Everybody should run over there and meet up with you at all those places because they're just going to be filled with so much goodness after they leave this episode to just stay in touch with you. Ashley, thanks for making time for this episode. And I just really appreciate all the wisdom that you share with us and the confidence and encouragement to keep moving along even in our busy, crazy days. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, Take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.